Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.47 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 18th of October, 2021. This is episode 494 of Bitcoin and OKCoin is awarding a second grant to Marco Falke, Bitcoin Core's most prolific developer, in order to support his work for one more year. Check it out. They have now invested more than $1 million in Bitcoin open source development through the the developer grant forum. Uh, One of the things that Marco is going to be working on this year, or has been working on, I guess, probably for the last year and and continuing on this year, is improving Bitcoin Bitcoin security with advanced code testing. Uh, As we explained in our blog, introducing his work, Marco hunts for vulnerabilities in Bitcoin's code, thanks to a technique called fuzz testing. Put simply, it works in two steps. A fuzz testing program sends a large amount of data to Bitcoin Core. If Bitcoin Core behaves differently than expected, the fuzzer program flags what caused the anomaly. Marco is also going to be or be or has been and probably will continue to modularize the code. And modularizing is a fancy word for making a life of developers easier. The more modularized the software, the less they have to review gigantic chunks of code in order to make a specific review, and the simpler it gets to figure out who's in charge of what part. Uh, A modularized code also allows to turn off optional modules and run the software with lower computational resources, which is essential for keeping Bitcoin decentralized, especially if it's to be run on mobiles like one of our other grantees. Jao Barbosa is preparing to do. He is also, Marco, is also going to be training new Bitcoin core developers. So there you go. Another grant from OKCoin to the same individual. We're starting to see multiple awardees, or, or rather awardees get multiple grants from same sources. This is good. And by the way, if you want to go read the whole blog post, this is blog.okcoin.com. Uh, They go into a little bit more detail than I gave you there. But the most important part is that Marco got another grant and what he has been working on and what he will be working on. Now, by the time this episode drops, it should be about, I don't know, 8.30, I'm guessing, uh, Eastern Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, So around that time, you will probably start hearing or seeing um, Bitcoin Twitter light up with Team Lax, Team LAX. Uh, it looks like it's also Team Lacrosse. <laughs> so I don't know if Al has anything to do with this or not, but check it out. Remember the flag, remember the thing that, that I, I had, I put out a tweet that said, look, dude, this is not a negotiation. And it was a father 
at a school board meeting, serving them with a $200 million lawsuit and telling them that even if they get that one thrown out, that they're going to refile a different lawsuit and they're going to keep refiling until they are so buried under paperwork that they cannot actually execute their proper function as a school board. And at the very end of it, he said, this is not a negotiation. All right. So it, I put, I said, I want that on a flag and I want the Bitcoin symbol on it. And everybody answered, especially, especially zone fog one at zone fog one. So what have they done? Well, they've opened up a shop. It's team lax team L A X all one word dot com forward slash gear. Um, And they, uh, I guess this is just probably a, a, a second party vendor. I'm not sure exactly, but I do know that, uh, that zone fog has teamed up with a couple of folks and they are actually printing this on t-shirts and they are making flags and a sticker. And it is the Bitcoin symbol and the sentence, this is not a negotiation wrapped around the Bitcoin symbol. So it's like a, a nice little circle. It's a great looking hoodie. It's a great looking symbol. I, I could, there's no way that I could have done that shit better myself, man. I absolutely no way. So hats off to zone fog. If you want to go get your hoodie, your sticker, your flag, see what else. Oh, they got, Oh, check it out. They've got like three different, good Lord. Holy shit. They've got six. I mean, I'll check, check on this for a little bit. Hold on. I want to make sure that I'm seeing this right. Yeah. They have six t-shirts, no eight t-shirts, one hoodie a sticker and a flag. So, and some of these t-shirts look really nice. Uh, so if you want a t-shirt with the Bitcoin symbol on the front says, this is not a negotiation, run on over to, uh, teamlax.com forward slash gear forward slash team hyphen spirit hyphen wear forward slash Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'll try to actually put that link in the show announcement tweet so that you guys don't have to fish around for it, but you can thank at zone fog one that is at zone fog one. And he should start announcing that him, this whole thing himself, either he already has been, or he will be directly. So be aware that that is coming Get your t-shirts, bro. Get your t-shirts. Now on to El Salvador. Thomas M has this one from BTC Times. El Salvador's Chivo wallet receives $3 million in remittances in a single day. El Salvador is officially in the green on its Bitcoin purchase with its holding of 700 Bitcoin sitting at a value of around $43 million at press time. Meanwhile, the country's own Bitcoin wallet Chivo is seeing increased adoption rates on Friday. As Bitcoin shot above $60,000 for the first time since mid-April, Chivo received 24,076 remittances totaling 3,069,761.05. El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, revealed in a tweet. Um, and in this tweet is another little piece of information. Says uh, Nayib Bukele's tweet says, two new Chivo facts. Today, we received 24,076 remittances, which is $3 million in one day. And two, people are inserting way more USD to buy BTC than what they are withdrawing from the Chivo ATMs. Any media outlet can independently confirm this by visiting the ATMs. 
So that's kind of a big deal right there, y'all. Uh, people are using the ATMs to convert their filthy ass fiat into Bitcoin, which is exactly what Mr. Hankey does not want to see happen and probably is chilling out in severe disbelief in his pampered mansion or whatever. Anyway, continuing on. Chivo was launched in September when the Central American country became the first uh, to officially make Bitcoin a parallel legal tender. Despite initial technical issues upon its rollout, the app saw rapid adoption across the population with over 2.1 million Salvadorans actively using it by late September. By that point, Chivo counted more customers than any bank in the country, according to Bukele. Salvadorans who have been hodling the $30 Bitcoin bonus they received when they signed up for the government-provided wallet are currently enjoying a U.S. dollar value increase of around, oh, a mere 19%, meaning their bonus is currently worth over $35. Bukele and his government became the target of criticism on September the 7th. When the market took Bitcoin's price diving below 50,000, volatility has been a major point of concern for skeptics of El Salvador's Bitcoin law. While merchants are obligated by law to accept Bitcoin for their products and services, Chivo is designed to allow Salvadorans to convert their Bitcoin to U.S. dollars immediately upon receipt if they wish. Yet the public's interest in Bitcoin appears to be growing. In early October, Bukele shared on Twitter that Salvadorans are inserting more cash to buy Bitcoin than what they are withdrawing from the uh, Chivo wallet ATMs. By the way, I didn't realize this, but Chivo wallet has a Twitter account. It's at Chivo wallet, all one word. So that's, this is kind of interesting. Again, the real story here is that they're buying more BTC than they are actually converting BTC to USD. I, I find that that absolutely fascinating. I wish Thomas M had done the calculation of what they would have lost in fees on the this three million dollars in one day of remittances if they had gone through something like Western Union. Western Union's gonna die, y'all. Get get ready for it. I know that you know most. I, I'm gonna say that most people in the Western world that are not from a third world country and you know trying to work you know in a you know western world to get money to send back home to their third world country family members uh we probably don't use western union i've never used western union ever under any circumstances because i just didn't need to okay it's not that i didn't want to it's just i didn't need to there was no reason for me to do that shit. So these guys are now looking like they're really going to start ripping into the revenues of Western Union because the only thing that they can get revenue on is by taking a percentage of the money that they send, which I mean, okay, I'm good with that, except that sometimes these things, sometimes these fees are really high. I mean, especially if you're sending like really low amounts of money the fees are exorbitantly high. And, you know, I think Mr. Hankey was saying that, well, if you send a thousand dollars, it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. You have any idea how little people are sending $1,000 sins from Western Union from the United States to El Salvador? Not a whole lot, y'all. Because the jobs that the guys from El Salvador are getting so that they can send money back home to their loved ones ain't exactly rolling them in cash. Okay, so fuck you, Steve Hankey. <laughs> oh, by the way, it is allergy season where I'm at, and it has been for a while, so 
Yeah, I, I may be a little slow on the uptake on some of these, uh, uh, some of these because man, Benadryl is Benadryl is one hell of a drug. Elon Musk's Tesla is up over one billion dollars on Bitcoin investment. Oh, God, it couldn't have happened to a more idiot motherfucker. Bitcoin Magazine's Alex McShane has it. Elon Musk Tesla is now over one billion dollars in the green on the Bitcoin investment as prices near $58,000 for the first time since early May. Tesla holds about 42,900 BTC worth 2.5 billion at the time of writing. The company bought roughly $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin back in February when it first added Bitcoin to the balance sheet. In the second quarter, Tesla sold 10% of its holdings at an average price of around $50,000 per token. CEO Elon Musk later took to Twitter to cl clarify that Tesla sold 10% of its BTC holdings to prove the asset's liquidity and viability as an alternative to cash on its balance sheet. In its uh, Q2 earnings report, Tesla announced that it booked gains worth $128 million from that Bitcoin sale. The car manufacturer has gained approximately 65% or $1 billion since its initial Bitcoin investment. This is as much as its income from selling 201,000 cars in the second quarter. Currently, companies that aren't investment companies such as Tesla report Bitcoin as intangible assets. This means Bitcoin gets recorded on balance sheets at its historic cost and is then impaired if the value dips. Although the value can never be revised upward if the price of Bitcoin does increase. Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy recently wrote to the Financial Accounting Standards Board, quote, this disconnect between an entity's financial statements and the economic reality of its financial condition and results of operations creates confusion and falls to provide or fails to provide investors, analysts, and the general public with the information they need to make an informed assessment of an entity's current and future prospects, end quote. The question is not if, but when other large companies will follow suit with MicroStrategy, Tesla, and Square and add Bitcoin to their balance sheet. Well, they already are. Um, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here, but <clears throat> why Alex does, doesn't get that, but they are adding it to their balance sheet. It's not just these, these particular entities involved, but we've got bigger fish to fry. Literally, Bitcoin's biggest whales are in decline. Oh, it's a, it's a brutal, brutal takedown of the whales. Tim Hockey has it for Decrypt.co. Some of crypto's rarest and largest ocean dwellers are quickly becoming endangered. In fact, the number of Bitcoin's largest whales has dropped to its lowest point in history. <clears throat> blockchain journalist Colin Wu tweeted the data from blockchain metrics site Glassnode earlier this afternoon. As of today, the number of Bitcoin addresses holding 10,000 Bitcoin or more is at a record low of 82. That's just 82 whales are left. My God, I, I hope their genetics aren't bottlenecked and they can still breed. The last time this number was so low was on December the 15th, 2012. That's a long fucking time ago, y'all, which is about four years after Bitcoin launched. Then just 81 well, wallets held 10,000 Bitcoin or more, and each Bitcoin was worth about $13. I know, just it makes me sad too, guys. Don't worry about it. We all get Bitcoin when we deserve it. Today, the number one cryptocurrency by market cap is worth $60,000, roughly 450,000% higher than it was back in December of 2012. So 
Does that mean that Bitcoin whales are a dying breed? Well, not quite. As we observed later in the Twitter thread, data from Sandbase records that the number of addresses holding between 100 and 1,000 BTC has increased significantly in the past five weeks. Considering that 100 Bitcoin is worth just over $6 million, more than enough to be considered a Bitcoin whale, the data highlights that mid-tier Bitcoin whales have been on the rise since early September. <clears throat> Several major industry developments may have triggered the gold rush. First is El Salvador's decision to accept it as legal tender. The decision was taken in spite of overwhelming protests from both residents and the political opposition. Crypto markets surged again this week in anticipation of tomorrow's launch of ProShares, Bitcoin futures exchange traded fund. We'll get into more of that shit later. Things cooled off a bit today, but the ETF will be the first of its kind in the United States and will enable investors to get exposure to Bitcoin with all the safeguards of a regulated investment product. Well, that's huge news for Bitcoin's institutional adoption in the United States. The latest rise continues Bitcoin surge from earlier this year. On April the 14th, it set an all-time high of 64,863 before dwindling down to a 2021 low of 29,807 on July the 20th. Uh, since then, Bitcoin's been picking up, and at today's prices, it's not far off from its former all-time high. Over the summer, Goldman Sachs surveyed over 150 family offices and concluded that nearly a fifth, wow, one in five, were keen to explore crypto as a potential hedge against inflation. So B2C2's research might indicate a strengthening of their position with regards to crypto. Goldman Sachs itself published a report in May calling Bitcoin a legitimate asset class, a complete U-turn <clears throat> from its former position the previous year, that crypto was unambiguously not a legitimate asset. Perhaps the colossal Bitcoin humpbacks of old are a dying breed, but recent developments suggest that smaller whales are indeed multiplying. Now, continuing our report of Bitcoin zoology, we have the smallest of the whales, the tiniest whale. It's a little bitty whale. Brazilian toddler makes over 6,500% profit on her first Bitcoin holding. Arijit Sarkar is having it or is giving it to us through Cointelegraph. A four-year-old girl has reportedly earned over 6,500% profit on a one Bitcoin gift she received on the day of her birth. Okay, let's just pause. Let's just pause. Four years, four-year-old girl. This, I mean, honestly, the, the headline of this should be four-year-old murders trade. Peter Schiff stands in disbelief, holding his precious rocks. I, honestly, 6,500% in four years. She didn't even know it. And she murders this trade. It just, it's, it's insane. Zhao Kanhandra, the founder of Brazilian crypto exchange Foxbit, gifted one BTC to his newborn daughter, Roughly worth $915 sharing details of the event. He said, as soon as my daughter was born in 2017, I bought one Bitcoin for her, not just as a gift, but as a way of investing in this new economy. At the time, BTC cost 5,000 Brazilian real, <clears throat> end quote. Four years later, the one BTC investment has returned profits of over $6,500 or 6,500% 6, 
for the child as the price of Bitcoin surged back to the $60,000 mark. The year 2017 was the last chance for investors to purchase Bitcoin under $1,000, a fact Kanhada was unaware of at the time. Just last month, a 12-year-old boy from London reportedly made nearly $400,000 during the school holidays by selling his series of yeah, I know, NFTs. According to a Cointelegraph report on the matter, London-based Bayemon Ahmed created and tokenized Weird Whales, a collection of digital pictures of whale emojis that were then sold in NFT form. He was not eligible to open a bank account due to age restrictions, so his father clarified that the reported earnings made through NFT sales have been converted to shitcoin uh, named Ethereum, uh, whatever. I don't even know why they put that shit in here or, or why I read it. Like I said, dude, Allergy season is running high for me in the Texas Panhandle right now. And honestly, uh, Benadryl mixed with 6 a, you know, six o'clock a.m. is not probably the smartest thing in the world, but it is either that or me dying on the couch. So I guess just deal with, just deal with slow, Dave, okay? <clears throat> the Pandora Papers reveal what Bitcoiners already knew from Bitcoin Magazine and Pedro Salimano. The shocking or not shocking revelations given by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists known as the Pandora Papers has revealed the truth in what Bitcoiners have been saying for years. The current system is broken. Over 600 journalists from 100 countries and an equal number of news outlets came together for two years to deliver information on the financial secrets of the powerful as the subtitle reads, the Pandora Papers reveal the inner workings of a shadowy economy that benefits the wealthy and well-connected at the expense of, well, everyone else. <clears throat> For those unaware, this is a trove of over 11 million documents detailing the wealth management of current and former heads of state, public officials, sports athletes, celebrities, and more. Around $11 trillion, that's trillion with a T, was revealed to be hidden in tax havens across the world, nearly 10 times Bitcoin's entire market capitalization, which skeptics would have you believe is the main arena for this type of activity. To highlight the issue, it's important to point to a few stories and a notable but not unique one from Lebanon. Raid Salema, former head of the Lebanese Central Bank and Marwan, no way I can pronounce that name, Lebanon's former minister of state and chairman of Al Marwad Bank appear in the investigation, one for money laundering and the other for evading taxes. In 2019, uh, gentleman number one, it's like Karahande, and there's no way that I can pronounce this gentleman's name. I'm sorry, but we're just gonna call him gentleman number one. In 2019, gentleman number one blasted his political colleagues for inaction during a severe economic crisis. More than half the population was living under poverty, struggling to find food and encountering closed shops everywhere. According to the Pandora Papers, he said, quote, there is tax evasion and the government needs to address that. End quote. <clears throat> Not long after, as the Pandora Papers reveal, he held assets in tax havens on the British Virgin Islands. However, Al Mawared Bank was one of the many banks in the country that restricted United States dollar withdrawals from citizens during the economic panic. Something Wafu Abu Hodman, a 57-year-old widow, has not forgotten. According to an ICIJ article, quote, 
Because of runaway inflation, her life savings plummeted from the equivalent of $60,000 to less than $5,000. Quote, all my life's efforts were, were in vain. I have been working continuously for the past three decades, she said. We are still struggling on a daily basis to maintain, maintain our living while the politicians and the bankers have all transferred and invested their money abroad, end quote, end quote. These types of revelations are not new, nor will they end. However, they do shine a light into the inequality of a system built by a few for the few. Through an opaque banking system with economic incentives carefully placed in favor of the elites, the different rules for the upper echelons, once again, the world is reminded of the unfairness. <clears throat> the Bitcoin community has been ringing the high alarm for years. Our, our current financial order is rife with antisocial behavior, and the issues put forth by the Pandora Papers only continue to confirm that injustice. There are certain allowances for positions of power, while 99% sit back and choose on its rage and its frustration. This does not have to be. <clears throat> the internet created an immense opportunity of resistance for most of the world. We found ourselves at the intersection of instant communication and collaboration without the need for intermediaries and endless human possibility. The digital age ushered in the age of connectivity. On top of the internet's rails, we've created a system of value that is perfectly positioned to push back against the vices of the incumbent system. Bitcoin has built itself to create an alternative, a haven, pun intended, <clears throat> a system for everybody, by everybody, with everybody. Bitcoin is one of the key components towards resisting the revelations of the Pandora Papers. It creates a system of financial transparency where rules govern and inform and disintermediation is the norm. While the elites play by a completely different set of rules, we create a different system. One where collaboration, openness, censorship, resistance, and equality live at the forefront. No more politicians reaping certain benefits or the 1% squeezing the system. In Bitcoin, we're all the same. I wanted to write this piece because the Pandora Papers have been largely ignored by the Bitcoin community. While they reveal nothing new and perhaps not enough high-level individuals, it brings existing problems out into the open that billions today are struggling to make ends meet while the elites dance to the beat of the Roaring Twenties. This investigation should serve as a wake-up call. Over and over, we have seen a few purge the system while the rest are left empty-handed. We no longer must be slaves of inflation, ask for permission to use our money or live under the tyranny of the real shadowy system. The role of Bitcoiners is to elucidate the perspectives of the alternative system. As the internet allowed us to instantly communicate anywhere in the world, Bitcoin is not, sorry, is now. Bitcoin is now allowing us to instantly transfer value anywhere in the world beyond the reach of those that guard the watchtowers of our current financial system. Bitcoin and the Pandora Papers are intim intimately intertwined. While one reveals the inner workings of a covert system geared towards the 1%, the other presents an opportunity for the billions excluded and sidelined. The internet ushered in the age of connectivity, which lets us find out about the Pandora Papers. Bitcoin is building on that connection, giving us an alternative to those fed up with what was inside the box. You know, what can be said about this? You know, like literally the Pandora Papers drop, it makes the Panama Papers look like, like, I don't know, somebody overstuffed your P.O. box in the United States, you know, mail office. 
it, I mean, honestly, it's like that story just died immediately, just completely shut down and killed. I wish that he had found a little bit more of a, you know, like a hardcore story or told at least one other story of what's coming out of the Pandora Papers. But still, I mean, you know, head of a bank rushes all of his money and offshores it in tax havens so he doesn't experience not only the inflation that Lebanon was experiencing, but was 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 literally exempt from paying taxes on it because the, he knew people who knew how to structure those funds and put them in places that cannot be taxed. I, I think tax is theft, honestly. Right? I'm not rah-rahing for, you should pay your fair share. I mean, just, I mean, even if, even if he paid taxes on it, that still is, it's still fucking inexcusable that he knew what was going to happen to Lebanon's currency with regards to internal inflation and external inflation for that matter, he knew the value of his money was going to drop, yet he said not one word to his bank's customers and offshore his shit. This is going to end one way or another, and it is either going to end very violently, and I mean physical violence. I'm talking about people being hung in the street, or these people are just going to be defanged. I actually prefer the latter. I, I don't want, I, I really don't. I mean, when you get a whole bunch of the public out killing other members of the public and everybody's basically hands off, dude, that shit can turn bad real quick. It can turn against those that are like going, yeah, well, I didn't like the bankers anyway. Look, they're strung up. Ha ha. Well, you may be next because the fervor with which this kind of shit ignites and like, just consumes every possible, you know, ounce of fuel, you could be that fuel. You don't want people being put to death in the streets. Okay. It's not a good deal, right? You don't, you might not even want them being arrested. I think the best way out of all this shit is you buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin and you opt out of using the legacy financial system everywhere that we can. That doesn't mean that we, we always can. It just means we have to try. I don't want to see what can possibly happen in a French Revolution style you know, thing. That was not cool. And it also resulted, by, by the way, it wasn't like the French, the French came out of the French Revolution with a government that was by the people, for the people, and of the people. Nah, nah, nah. It took them 20 years. And then, then, if I remember correctly, they actually ended up returning to some form of monarchy. So there you go. Jack, at Jack on Twitter. This is Jack Dorsey of Twitter. He says, Square is considering building a Bitcoin mining system based on custom silicon and open source for individuals and businesses worldwide. If we do this, we'd follow our hardware wallet model build in the open in collaboration with the community. First, some thoughts and questions. Mining needs to be more distributed. The core job of a miner is to securely settle transactions without the need for trusted third parties. This is critical well after the last Bitcoin is mined. The more decentralized this is, the more resilient the Bitcoin network becomes. True, with a question mark. Mining needs to be more efficient. 
Di uh, driving towards clean and efficient energy use is great for Bitcoin's economics impact and scalability. Energy is a system level problem that requires innovation in silicon, software, and integration. What are the largest opportunities here? Silicon design is too concentrated into a few companies. This means supply is likely overly constrained. Silicon development is very expensive, requires long-term investment, and is best coupled tightly with software and system design. Why aren't more companies doing this work? There isn't enough focus on vertical integration. Considering hardware, software, productization, the distribution requires accountability for delivering to an end customer versus improving a single technology in the chain. Does seeing this as a single system improve scalability? Mining isn't accessible to everyone. Bitcoin mining should be as easy as plugging a rig into a power source. There isn't enough incentive today for individuals to overcome the complexity of running a miner for themselves. What are the biggest barriers for people running miners? Our team led by Jesse Doro Gusker will start the deep technical investigation required to take on this project. We'd love your thoughts, ideas, concerns, and collaboration. Should we do this? Why or why not? We'll update this thread as we make our decisions. And now over to Jesse. All right, so jumping in the mining game, you knew that was gonna happen. But what I like about this is that he seems, in he seems to be making it rather intimate. In other words, he's talking about single individual miners here in at least one of these tweets, which leads me to believe that that may be a primary focus of his. Not great big mining farms, but how do you just ship me a box, let me plug it in and walk away and just mine Bitcoin? If Jack can get that shit done, I might, be, I might set up a couple of, of rigs because honestly, I got too much shit on my plate to figure all this stuff out. I, I really do. It's not that I'm uninterested in mining, it's just that Jack's kind of right. I unless you have a unless you're really interested in it for whatever reason that you're interested in it for, it's kind of a difficult prospect. And I've got, like I said, I and many of us have more shit on our plate than we can imagine. But we must move forward. Let's run the numbers. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. As you noticed, <clears throat> the music was different. I hope that didn't scare you. I was um, going to tell y'all about that at the head of the show, but like I said, Benadryl and 6 a.m. is one hell of a cocktail to be consuming uh, in, in my young life. <clears throat> so I totally forgot. Anyway, yes, I changed the music a little bit because I just, I, I got to change shit up. The last time that I tried to change the music, I almost got my head chopped off. So that's why the very front bumper music is the same. The filler music is from Rush. That is part of part four of Fear. I believe that is from the Vapor Trails album. And it's a damn good tune, bro. So don't give me no shit about it. Flammable liquids are on fire. Oil, West Texas Intermediate. 1.59% to the upside, coming in at $83.59 a barrel. Holy shit. 
I don't remember seeing $80. <clears throat> I haven't seen $80 oil since like, I don't even remember when, honestly. Brent North Sea likewise up a full point, $85.75 a barrel. Natural gas kind of taking it a bit on the chin, uh, below 1.5% to the downside, $5.32 for a thousand cubic feet. Gasoline, $2.50, which translates into probably $7 gas on the West Coast. I don't know. I, I don't live out there. But I know it's usually pretty, you know, a hell of a lot higher than the futures price indicates. Shiny metal rocks are mostly down except for copper, which is seeing a good day at 0.74% to the upside. Shiny metal rock number one, gold, Peter Schiff's favorite, is back below 1800 to its rightful place of $1,764.70 after a 0.2% drop to the downside. Silver down a quarter, platinum down almost a full point, palladium down 2.8 points. Agricultural futures, meh, except for, oh, oh shit, this has got to be a mistake, guys. Corn is down 70%. Nah, hold on, let me check this. This cannot be correct. This, this can't, this can't be right. I, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing here. Uh, yeah, this has got to be a typo. Maybe it's just down 7%. But I'm CNBC.com futures and commodities is listing corn at $153.5, which is down $372.25 or a 70.8% drop. Can somebody confirm that shit? Modern T-Man, if you're listening out there, is there a way that you can confirm whether or not corn just fell off a fucking cliff? Because that does not look like it bodes well. It, not not at all. Oh, God. Holy shit. Is there anything else that is dastardly? Uh, wheat looks okay. Soybean, sugar, coffee. No, everything else looks, everything else looks cool, except for corn. What the hell happened with corn? <laughs> Dow futures is down a quarter of a point. S&P futures down a quarter of a point. NASDAQ futures down a quarter of a point, And the S&P mini is down 0.35. Look, guys, the four major world equities indices basically are all tied together. How can we just don't collapse them into one great big thing and just look at one? Because, oh, I'm in the Dow. Oh, you're in the NASDAQ. Oh, you're doing the exact same. It's, God, fucking, let's talk about real money. $61,428 is what I'm seeing. Let me refresh that to make sure. Yeah, $61,428. Uh, 234,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours is about 10,000 transactions on average per hour with only, only, and I tell you this three times, only, 400,000 BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours. That's a mere 17,000 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with 1.7 BTC, the average transaction value and the median transaction value at 0.011 BTC or about 650 bucks. Block times are low, nine minutes and seven seconds. 0 0.08 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 13 BTC taken in fees overall last 24 hours. A 20% increase in hash rate pegs us at 158.6 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, <clears throat> Dogecoin, is not dead. No, no, it's not. And it's never going to die, dude. 
25.8 US pennies. It's over a quarter of a dollar. God, Jesus. Fucking A, man. These people are stupid. 3,929 transactions are waiting on three blocks to clear. Market cap of Bitcoin is $1.15 trillion, which is a full 10% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may spend your one Bitcoin on 34.6 ounces of shiny metal rocks. Now, there are 18,847,066.5 BTC in circulation at this time. 3,102.3 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network, which just turned over to $190.2 million in total capacity. Holy shit. Wow, that's amazing. 17,029 nodes, 76,845 payment channels, and 74.3% of all that is being run over the Tor network. So there are 2,300 BTC in the Tor side of the Lightning Network being run over 10,622 nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We begin this side of this news you can use with BTC Times' David Steen. Tether and Bitfinex pay another fine and stablecoins might be a commodity. Eight months, eight months after paying an $18.5 million fine to the state of New York for misleading statements about its reserves, Tether has agreed to pay another $41 million to settle charges from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission for the exact same thing. Additionally, Bitfinex accepted a $1.5 million penalty for not doing enough to keep U.S. retail customers off the exchange. God forbid. The main contention of the settlement is whether Tether had sufficient assets to back all the Tether tokens in circulation, a, a topic that has fueled FUD for years. According to the CFTC complaint, the Tether reserves were fully backed by fiat currency reserves held in the Tether bank accounts only 27.6% of the time, Stuart Hogner, or sorry, probably Stuart Hogner, general counsel for Bitfinex and Tether added that the CFTC did not find that Tether tokens were not fully backed at all times, simply that the reserves were not all in cash and all in a bank account titled in Tether's name at all times, end quote. Hogner maintains that the reserve issue were resolved by February 2019 and that Tether tokens have been fully backed by cash equivalents and other assets ever since. A more concerning issue is whether the CFTC should be involved in stablecoin regulation at all. The CFTC had determined that trading crypto on margin is the equivalent of an illegal commodity futures contract, but Commissioner Don Stump points out that the agency has never explained how an exchange might trade a contract legally. An exception would be granted if the futures contract involves the physical delivery of the commodity listed, but a stablecoin isn't really a physical thing. The CFTC faced enough confusion over actual delivery with decentralized cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin 
if it is physically impossible to comply with CFTC regulation, maybe the CFTC shouldn't be regulating stable coins at all. Commissioner Stump cites a quote from SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, quote, are we fighting for investors or are we fighting for jurisdiction, end quote. And that's an abrupt end to the article, but there is where the article ends. Still though, the question becomes this, is Feather, or Feather, is Tether FUD finally dead? Or will there be something else? Most people were celebrating on Friday when this shit came out, not because they like Tether, not because they use Tether, not because they need Tether, but because Tether has been causing FUD for the least three years. And over the last two years, that FUD has been fairly extreme to the point that it's caused, well, it's caused problems. Okay, let's just, let's just say it like that. So what do you guys think? You think Tether FUD is dead or do you think they'll find something else? I honestly don't give a shit about Tether. I don't need it. I don't use it. I don't care about it. The only thing that I care about is limiting the amount of FUD that affects uh, number go up technology. Now here's something that might affect NGU. A grayscale Bitcoin spot ETF could be right around the corner. ETF, that's been in the news, okay? So, uh, and this is not the article yet. I just wanna kind of uh, preface this. The important thing, the important takeaway here is that we're not talking about a futures ETF here. Grayscale is talking about a spot buy ETF, which means buying the actual asset. Oh, who would have even possibly have guessed? Nick W, maybe, he's writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. We could have the first spot Bitcoin ETF on the market near the end of this year as Grayscale intends to file for SEC approval for its product by early next week, according to CNBC. Grayscale's intention is to convert their Bitcoin fund into a spot Bitcoin ETF. The official Grayscale filing will kick off a 75-day review period for the SEC to either approve or deny the proposed spot ETF, a first-of-its-kind, physically settled Bitcoin financial product. After the approval for Bitcoin futures ETF by companies ProShares and Valkyrie, the action appears to have opened the door for an immediate path to a physically settled Bitcoin ETF coming to market. Founder and CEO of Digital Currency Group, Barry Silbert, had Grayscale's application for spot ETF waiting in his back pocket for the SEC to allow Grayscale competitors to enter the market. Quote, the investment firm had intended to file its application to the Securities and Exchange Commission as soon as the agency allowed efforts by competitors for a futures-based Bitcoin ETF, said the person. That happened late Friday, CNBC reported. The approval of Bitcoin ETF products enables a more competitive landscape and also unlocks new pools of capital from different pockets of traditional financial institutions that were previously facing too many hurdles to get exposure to Bitcoin. A spot ETF product tracks the Bitcoin price closer than a futures ETF. The spot price of Bitcoin is the current USD cost for immediate purchase and delivery. Being physically settled with instant delivery, a spot product would be able to more closely track the price of Bitcoin and reduce uncertainty that comes with an ETF tracking a projected futures price. A Bitcoin spot ETF would be better for investors, both from a price tracking and fee structure standpoint, said Anthony Pompliano of Morgan Creek Digital Assets. If approved, the timing for Grayscale spot ETF comes at an intriguing moment in the market. 
Bitcoin continues to push over 60,000 USD and is eyeing previous all-time high prices, all while fresh off a Bitcoin mining ban in China and as US politicians continue to signal support for the nascent digital asset. LFG, motherfuckers, let's go. All right, so what to say about this? Barry had this shit already and he was waiting for somebody to open up the door for him so that there would be precedent so that he didn't have to battle a basically a, a, a blue ocean type situation. Now there's precedent set. Hey, hey guys, the SEC approved this Bitcoin futures, now approve this different kind of futures. He had it waiting in his back pocket. Look, I am not a fan of Barry Silver, but I have to give credit where credit is due. Dude, that was master stroke, bitch. Honestly, that was executed very, very well. Uh, I, I won't say anything more about it. Uh, the CME sees record open interest in Bitcoin futures ahead of that ETF debut. Uh, Coindesk's uh, Amkar Godbull has it. <clears throat> the amount of money locked in the Bitcoin futures contracts on the global derivatives giant Chicago Mercantile Exchange surged to record highs on Friday as the United States Securities and Exchange Commission greenlighted futures-based exchange-traded funds tied to the cryptocurrency. The dollar value of open interest or the number of futures contracts traded but not liquidated with an offsetting position stood at $3.64 billion on Friday marking a more than two-fold rise for the month, according to data provided by Bybit. The previous lifetime high was $3.26 billion, and that was recorded during the bull market frenzy back in February. Glassnode data shows the total number of outstanding contracts on the CME has increased by 60% to 56,410. The spread between the CME-based front month futures contract, also known as premium or basis, and the spot price has surged from an annualized 1% to over 16% this month alongside Bitcoin's 40% rally to 62 grand. Activity on the CME has picked up amid increased expectations that in the upcoming weeks, several futures-based ETFs may begin trading in the United States as well as stronger participation from stateside institutional investors. Quote, speculation about an imminent futures ETF really took off last week as the SEC had been uncharacteristically quiet ahead of the approval deadline for the first of the ETFs on October the 18th, said Martha Reyes, head of research at Digital Asset Prime Brokerage and Exchange Bquant. U.S. institutions in particular have been fueling the rally as evidenced by activity on the CME and the basis flipping on the CME over the retail-led exchanges, she added. Activity on the other exchanges have also picked up, albeit at a slower rate, as evidence from the CME's jump to the number two position on the list of the biggest Bitcoin futures exchanges by open interest. The exchange was the fourth largest last month. Total futures open interest across the globe has risen to over $23 billion for the first time in five months. BTC Futures OI has reached highs not seen since May, highlighting growing expectations of the listing in the U.S. of BTC Futures ETF. 
One difference between now and then is the higher weighting 11 versus 17% of cash margined futures, implying lower leverage overall in the market, said Noel Oxen, head of market insights at Genesis Global Trading Incorporated. The impending futures-based ETFs from ProShares, Invesco, Valkyrie, and others will invest in regulated Bitcoin futures contracts like those trading on the CME instead of buying the actual cryptocurrency. Why? Because we're fucking stupid. I don't know. Quote, demand for these Bitcoin ETF futures is likely to be disappointing. These could be of interest to a limited audience of institutions that can't hold spot or derivatives directly, as well as retail investors that prefer the familiarity and convenience of ETFs, Oxen said. Quote, most investors, however, are more likely to continue to access BTC exposure through spot or derivatives or through any of the many listed securities or international funds that offer spot BTC exposure, Axon said. Bitcoin was last seen trading near 62300 bucks. Okay, so again, on Friday, the SEC gave the go-ahead for apparently more than one Bitcoin futures-based ETF which was fuel to the fire because Friday was also the day that uh, Tether settled that case that we were just talking about where they paid $41 million or some Bitfinex. I can't remember. Anyway, whoever paid the SEC, the SE, no, the communities, commodities futures, uh, the CFTC, they paid them $41 million. I asked the question, does this put Tether fed, uh, FUD to bed? That tied in with the SEC saying, okay, this is, we're gonna do the, we're gonna allow Bitcoin futures finally. You know, it's only like Brazil has one, Canada has three and Europe has more than a few. And we were the, you know, basically the last of the developed countries to actually come to the table. It's just kind of sad. Anyway, both of those things together really caused a Friday bull candle to occur. And we're still kind of riding high on that. So we'll have to see what, you know, what this week brings. One thing to note, we closed the highest weekly candle last night ever. Let me repeat that. Bitcoin closed the highest weekly candle in its history. We'll have to see what the month brings. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait for that one. Uh, Senator Cynthia Lummis on U.S. debt limit raise, quote, thank God for Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, Anamcios has it for us. Um, Bitcoin is a blessing of God amid irresponsible policies at the government level, said Senator Cynthia Lummis in a speech to the Senate. The senator provided her perspective on how Bitcoin can help people stay immune to irresponsible monetary policies. Quote, One of the reasons I became so interested in non-fiat currencies is because they're not issued by a government. Bitcoin is not issued by a government. On October the 7th, the Senate approved a bill to help the U.S. avoid a default on its debt in the next few week, weeks. The agreement enables an increase of $480 billion to the debt limit, quote, a sum the Treasury Department estimates will allow it to pay its bills until December the 3rd, which they'll, so they'll have to do it all over again. Quote, time and time again in the United States House of the Senate, Presidents of both parties have run up the debt irresponsibly with no plans to address it. So thank God for Bitcoin. 
that transcends the irresponsibility of governments, including our own, Loomis added. And Loomis also warned of the dangers of embarking upon irresponsible debt management, including the dollar's devaluation. She said that both parties, both parties are truly irresponsible if they fail to act right and let the dollar decline, in which case Lummis would like to give Americans an option. Quote, in the event that contingency occurs, I want to make sure that non-fiat currencies not issued by governments, not beholden to political elections can grow, allow people to save and be there in the event that we fail at what we know we have to do, the Senator claimed. Oh, 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 ouch, damn, woo, <laughs> Senator, Senator Lummis just walking all up and down their ass, and they deserved every single bit of it. If you hadn't seen that speech, I don't have a link to it, but man, I mean, she was on fire, and rightly so. This is ridiculous, and it has been so ridiculous for so long that her fears are well-founded. There's, the, the math doesn't work. We were well past being able to do something about this, probably before Senator Lemus embarked on her political career, which was some 30 odd years ago, if not a little bit longer. No, we're way past go. There, we're, we're going directly to jail and we've got to figure out, figure out a way to bust out. Epic Games welcomes blockchain games, but don't expect any Fortnite NFTs, says Irhan Karman <clears throat> from Cointelegraph. Gaming platforms are choosing sides on blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and non-fungible tokens within their respective ecosystems. Following reports of Valve banning crypto and NFT-related games on Steam, its primary competitor, Epic Game Store, showed a welcoming attitude for blockchain developers and the use of crypto in video games. Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney said that Epic Game Store would enable games using blockchain technology as long as the developers abide by the relevant laws and disclose their terms. The games need to be age-rated by an appropriate group, Sweeney wrote, adding, quote, Though Epic's not using crypto in our games, we welcome innovation in the areas of technology and finance, end quote. Now, the article goes on, but here's the important thing. Also on Friday, I believe it was on Friday, it may have been Saturday, Valve banned all NFTs and all blockchain type games. Valve is going to go the way of the Dodo. Is it because I like blockchain and NFTs? No, not necessarily. It's just that that's their gateway to Bitcoin and Bitcoin is going to be like if, if Valve and Epic and all these you know major game studios don't adopt a Bitcoin standard, they're just going to be left behind in the dust by the new game companies that are coming up that are going to embrace it because the new game companies, not only do they know how to make games, they also know how to wade through the regulatory waters. And that's going to be pretty damned important. Like, you know, people like, uh, like Samson Mo has a game company, but they also have the intelligence and the knowledge and the foreknowledge of how to wade through regulatory issues. Light Night Games is going to be the same. All the new game companies are going to know how to wade financial regulatory waters, which is something Epic and Valve and all the other game makers, they don't know how to do that. They are running at a deficit already. And Bitcoin is going to eat their lunch. That's going to do it for the morning roundup.
right, it's Monday, yo. Uh, can't let you go without a dad says jokes. If you rearrange the letters of male men, they get really upset. Just saying. They get really, really pissed off. So anyway, um, yeah, it's Monday, uh, start of a new week. Lots of stuff to watch. We got to watch the fallout of the ETF announcement. We got to watch the fallout of the Tether FUD or the, maybe the collapse of the Tether FUD. That, that's one of the things that I'm watching is if somebody comes up with yet one more thing because they're always coming up with yet one more thing. If you want to support the show uh, with Dirty Filthy Fiat, you can do so at my Patreon page. It's Bitcoin and podcast on the Patreon pages. Uh, if you want to send me good money, you can stream me sats via the Breeze Wallet or any podcasting 2.0 enabled wallet. It'll be automatic. All you got to do is whatever podcasting app you use, load it up with some Satoshis, go to their ser internal search function, look for Bitcoin and sometimes it's space dot, space dot, space dot. Uh, when you find it and you uh, start streaming the episode, you can start streaming me sats. Or you can tip me through Twitter because I did have, or I do have tipping enabled. Or, you know, if I could just reach out to DM me and say, you know, you want to support me. And if you can't support me in any financial way, your time is always wonderful. Five-star reviews on Apple iTunes and all the rest of it. And I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.